If it's okay with you, I would like to take a second to discuss the state of the COVID-19 agenda. COVID-19 is just one part of a multifactorial plan by the central bankers and insurance companies to essentially crash and replace the U.S. dollar uh, with cryptocurrency and subscribe unsuspecting citizens of the world to do what can only be described as a technocratic slavery system. I wish there was a softer word for it, but there there isn't. Um, so kind of here's how it rolls out. First, you use the magic virus to scare people. Now, I'm not saying the virus isn't real. I'm not saying that I'm a COVID denier or anything like that. We're just talking about strategy here. There's plenty of evidence that this uh, virus was man-made. Um, statements made by former Nobel Prize winners, the, 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 in, the scientist who discovered HIV pointed out that the COVID-19 could not have occurred naturally through mutations. There's a paper trail from Fort Detrick in the United States, and then moving that research over to Wuhan, and then we all know what happened from there. So that's what I mean by the magic virus. And um, okay, so first you use the magic virus to scare people. Next, you persuade people that the only way to protect themselves from the virus is to get designated tests like the ineffective and highly false positive producing PCR test and toxic vaccines rushed and injected up their nose near the brain blood-brain barrier. Then you keep the ingredients of the vaccine secret, attacking or killing scientists or doctors who try to document or publish the real ingredients. One such example would be thimerosal, which is really just mercury. Um, it's a form of mercury that is just as detrimental to the body and nervous system. If you look at the ingredients on the COVID-19 vaccine, you're not going to see thimerosal, you know, and then there's plenty of others, including uh, aborted fetal cells. Many people don't even realize that those are utilized in uh, a great deal of pharmaceutical products, but especially vaccines. Then... You get vaccine mandates legislated around the world and end religious exemptions. Bankrupting and outlawing the churches helps with that, especially because you need a large supply of aborted fetal tissue for such a massive global vaccination program, as mentioned. You build a large army of contact tracers and snitches to locally herd people into the vaccination process and call the herd people who may inspire resistance to the process. And we see this happening through um, <clears throat> step one, which was the economic dependence, right? You get people to close their businesses or create mandates that make it difficult for them to stay open. That economic dependence makes people, especially people of low morality, more likely to accept money to do immoral things like snitch. As you shift all of the essential businesses into your companies, you require the vaccinations for employment, purchases, and transactions. Now that you've shut off many people's income and moved them to dependence on government subsidies, receipt of subsidies can be made subject to vaccination. So 
none of this really has anything to do with health. It has to do with herding the population into your control system. And right now we are at the end of a fiat currency-based control system that is falling apart because it's got way too much debt. And we're in, in the midst of a complete currency reset by the parasite class, you know, the central bankers and insurance companies who have engaged in Ponzi schemes and theft uh, for probably thousands of years. So what's the move? Um, the move is to start regenerative, community-sufficient tribes that are of high-morality people that are living in harmony with nature. That's exactly what we're doing. I'm a big believer in being the change that you want to see in the world. And um, we are forming an incredible group of people with off-grid power, uh, no Wi-Fi or wireless uh, radiation, but we will have you know fast wired internet. We're going to have spring water on the property. We're going to practice loving thy neighbor, respecting everyone. It's not a commune or anything like that. Just think of it like a community of people or a neighborhood, a small town of people who who get it, who see with both eyes, who honor their bodies and who live from the heart and put God, the laws of God and the laws of nature above the laws of man. Um, if you guys would like to learn more about this community, uh, you can do so at biohackercoaching.com. I do want to mention that the... Um, you know, if you're going to book a time for us to talk, you want to kind of be in a position where you could move if you're accepted into the community. And uh, the minimum donation that guarantees a quarter acre of land is uh, 25K. So I just want to put all of that out there and be respectful of everybody's time. But if that sounds like something that you may be interested in, go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, mention community. And um, yeah, we've got a beautiful mix of entrepreneurs, healers, yogis, health professionals, families, and individuals who value freedom, connection, and living in harmony with Mother Earth. Um, all religions, except for uh, except for Satanism and Luciferianism, <laughs> never would have thought I had to mention that until uh, 2020, are valued and welcome. So it doesn't matter to uh, it doesn't matter if you're Christian, Muslim, uh, Jewish, as long as you put God um, up top. That's all that really matters here. So biohackercoaching.com is where you can check that out. Just mention community. And if you want to have your application skip to the front of the line, uh, text community VIP after you've completed your application and finished and, and booked the time uh, to 847-989-3743. That's community VIP to 847-989-3743. Thank you. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are wonderful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Dr. Elizabeth Yurth, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you for inviting me. 
All right. So you work at the Boulder Longevity Institute, but for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, share with us your origin story and how you got into this. So I think I came from a, from a little different world than a lot of doctors who do this kind of medicine, but I'm actually trained, my background is in orthopedic medicine, and I practice orthopedic medicine for the past 27 years. About 15 years ago, I became sort of frustrated with, wow, okay, we fixed your shoulder, and then it was never really better, but we said, well, it's good enough, that's as good as it's going to get, and then something else would fall apart, we go, oh, that's as good as that's going to get, and we would just sort of, you know, as one of my old partners used to say, he's like, you know, after 50, it's just patch, 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 and, you know, and so it was kind of this frustration with, I'm tired of patching and not repairing. And so I started to look at how can we actually repair things? And I, that, that got me down the road. And this was back when people weren't really doing this that much, you know, 15, 16 years ago was sort of A4M, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine was just getting its start. There was not thousands of people at the conferences like there are now. So, so basically I went and I looked for how can I learn on health a little bit more? So I went and got a fellowship in functional medicine through A4M, learned about how hormones affect healing, how health affects healing. And started kind of preaching that to my patients that, you know what, I can help you with your shoulder, but honestly, this is a sign of underlying other stuff that we need to address. And then realized I can't do that in 10 minute appointments that were paid for by insurance. So we opened Boulder Longevity Institute and, and said, you know, come here, we'll talk to you about this stuff we can't talk to you about here. And so I've been kind of playing both hats for a long time where I put on my orthopedic hat all day long and I see these patients and, and stick steroids in their shoulder and then tell them that's really not the best thing to do. And, <laughs> and then see them over at my other clinic at Boda Longevity Institute and we try and actually fix their health. We look at you know all the, all the other factors and we try and educate paramount to that, try and educate people so they understand disease processes better. So and then really more recently, I actually left my orthopedic practice. I just brought it over to Boulder Longevity Institute, where we still do a lot of regenerative orthopedics, but I've stopped putting steroids into people all the time. And I've stopped doing the things that, you know, really quite frankly, I don't think are the things that are going to help them heal. And we've gotten a little bit more of a focus on education. So we have a whole, what we call Human Optimization Academy now that you can sign up for through Boulder Longevity Institute, that actually we are trying to teach people about understanding these disease processes in a whole different way. We sort of gave up with trying to teach doctors. We realized that wasn't getting us very far. And that when you tried to tell a doctor to do anything differently from what they were doing, they didn't really want to listen. But mm. people do. And hence, you know that from your podcast and the people yeah. you work with people, a people lot of, do a lot of doctors too, a lot of doctors too, but I know some what you're do. saying. Yeah. Some, <laughs> I only see the ones that do. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you probably, and I see the ones who don't, um, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> um, you know, so it was interesting. Yeah. My, at my, my orthopedic practice, one of my doctors said, you know, I spent, he said, you're spending too much time with the patients. You need to be seeing patients faster. He said, you know, we don't do medicine here. We do orthopedics. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty classic statement, you know, so, yeah. so, you know, orthopedics should be medicine first and not just, you know, fix Obviously if you break your bone hammers and nails are great, but if you have an arthritic joint, they're not. And so, so we're trying to, to teach people a little bit more information, which is changing constantly. Hence the people like you who are out there trying to educate people are so useful. So people can get this information and we can get this information out there. So I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing as well. And before we kind of get into some of the, the anti-aging stuff and really helping people get back to basics, because we were we were chatting a little bit how it's um, it's easy with all the information out there to kind of develop a, a nice case of new shiny object syndrome. And then like, you know, you're 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 doing the, the, the whispers, but you're missing the shouts. And we'll kind of get into that and what those are and what are some of the patterns that you're seeing a lot. But first, 
how would you kind of describe, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to take this, I'm going to get a little bit more specific. So a lot of people aren't familiar with books like the, the arthritis breakthrough, which essentially Mm -hmm. theorize that a lot of many arthritic conditions are related to low level bacterial infections that respond well to like an antibiotic, like minocycline. And there's tons of stories of, of people who have been bedridden, you know, taking a hundred milligrams of minocycline twice a day and their problem goes away. Um, but then people that are kind of in this world, they're like, Oh my God, antibiotics, anti-life. No, can't do that. You know what I mean? Then you go a little bit deeper and you find out, well, some antibiotics stimulate exosomes and this can right. you know, r- r- cause a, a healing cascade in the body. So how would you kind of, for, for our listeners that want to get caught up on what you believe to be the truth in orthopedics right now and what works and why fill us in on, on what you've seen, because you're in the trenches doing it. So what we really are thinking now is that degenerative diseases, osteoarthritis is no different than somebody who has degenerative cardiac disease or degenerative brain disease, and that they all are at a level of cellular dysfunction. It's just different organ systems that are involved. We know that people who have osteoarthritis have higher incidence of cancer and they have higher incidences of dementia. So we do know that there's overlap to all these diseases. Now we know that low rate, low grade bacterial infections play a role, probably low grade viral infections probably play a role, but ultimate we're seeing is these are inflammatory processes. So I hear all the time, oh, well, you know, as a football player, that's why my knees are bad because I trashed my knees because I played football. Well, not every football player has bad knees. So there's a lot of genetic bias and, and just health bias that create changes in these inflammatory cytokines inside our joint. So if you look at an arthritic joint, there's different levels of inflammatory cytokines. So we know we have these pro-inflammatory cytokines and anti-inflammatory cytokines. So for your listeners, cytokines are little proteins that tell our cells what to do. And so if I have very high levels of interleukin-6, for instance, and tumor necrosis factor alpha, either somewhat genetically, but a lot of times lifestyle, um, stress, sleep, all those things play a role in those inflammatory cytokines. And I get a minimal little injury to my joint, it actually starts this tailspin process. So we now know that there's this one interleukin called interleukin-1-beta, that some people genetically have high levels of, but there's also, again, maybe bacterial influences, maybe environmental influences that will raise interleukin-1-beta. And, and for instance, a study just came out with degenerative discs where they took mice who were bred for very, very high levels of interleukin-1-beta, and they blocked interleukin. What they did with the high levels, they stuck a little teeny pinhole into the disc. And they saw within days that disc went from a normal disc to a completely degenerate disc. So what they saw is that the interleukin-1-beta got inside the cell. It actually caused the nucleus to produce something called NLRP3 inflammasome, which is a bad thing. Sounds like bad, and it is. Mm -hmm. That NLRP3 inflammasome went to the mitochondria. We're going to talk a lot about mitochondria today because I have a fascination with them, but it went to the mitochondria, actually caused destructive changes in the mitochondria. Mitochondria produced all these reactive oxygen species, started killing the other mitochondria, and you saw this rapid degradation of cells, right? So can bacteria do the same thing? Yes. Can viruses do the same thing? Yes. So injury, virus, viral, viral loads, bacterial, low-grade bacterial infections would cause this upregulation of inflammatory cytokine. If they blocked interleukin-1-beta, then they, they could stick a hole in the disc and it didn't do anything. So we, and, and the same thing was shown true for cartilage and joints. So we know that these inflammatory cytokines 
that are dysregulated are playing a big role in this tailspin of production. And if you if you listen to any of the stuff on senescent or zombie cells, right? Once you have one bad cell, it kills a few others, and those kill a few others, and those kill a few others, and that's why there's this big downhill spiral. Yeah, so it's instead like, of focusing it's like an episode on, of Walking Dead. Exactly. I mean, it really is. And so instead of focusing on scoping a knee, because what have I done when I scope a knee? All I've done is destroyed more cartilage and created more inflammation. You've got to change the cytokine response. Mm-hmm. So we're using things that, you know, block interleukin-1 beta, like high-dose melatonin mm-hmm. or epigallocatechins, which is in green tea, or pentacin polysulfate, which is used in Australia a lot for arthritis to block the inflammatory cytokines and then doing things like putting in platelets or stem cells or exosomes and seeing very marked repair. So we know this is an inflammatory disease process, just like everything else. What was that substance that you mentioned from Australia? So there's a a medication called pentacin polysulfate, which I love. And it's actually approved in Australia as what, what they call a disease modifying agent for osteoarthritis, meaning they think it's a cure for osteoarthritis. And it, it basically, they took patients who were headed to joint replacements, to knee replacements. They put them on pentacin, um, which is a, it's a drug. It's not a, pen, it's not a peptide. It's really, a, or supplement. It's actually a drug. It's a pharmaceutical. And they put them on pentacin and nine out of 10 of them had enough improvement that they canceled their joint replacements and continued to show improvement over time. Come on. It's a, it's, and it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you walk you, what, what, what dosages? So what, so what you do is, so this is actually a drug here in the U.S. called Elmeron, but it's oral. And it's used for, for bladder cystitis. So it's used for bladder inflammation for some of the same reasons. It blocks the inflammatory cytokines. The problem is orally, it has two downsides. Number one, it doesn't seem to have any benefit for joint cartilage. Number two, over about a 15-year period, people with El- on Elmeron, they notice some retinopathy to the eyes. Mm. And you don't see that with the injectable. So what you have to do is you have people- Which probably themselves- isn't a good reflection of what it's doing to the mitochondria either. And um, Well, maybe. There may be a different reason for that. But, but the pentacin done subcutaneously or intramuscularly, or maybe intraarticularly, we haven't used it that way yet, not available that way yet, actually worked very nicely- to block, so it's actually used for, for cancer. They're looking at it as a research for cancer as well for the same reason, wow. to block all the bad inflammatory cytokines, upregulate the good inflammatory cytokines and actually repair cartilage defects. So people who have bone contusions, fractures, or just osteoarthritis, what you have them do is you have them do an injection themselves, just a little subcutaneous injection once a week for six or twice a week for six weeks, once or twice okay. a week, depending on their size for six weeks. The dose is dependent on patient's size. So we dose it dependent on their size. And then they, that after six weeks, usually you've gotten a nice little improvement and then you have them find a dose that helps keep them regulated. So for me, I have bad arthritis in my knees. I've had four ACL reconstructions. I finally gave up on that and just said, I'll just yeah, raise my knees. I was, I was having knee you know? surgery. I had two knee surgeries in college soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tore my knees. Half of yep. the four years. Yeah. And, and you know, 80% of people have ACL reconstructions, even at that age, at 18, 80% mm-hmm. are going to develop osteoarthritis by the time they're 50, 80%. And we're doing nothing about that. We should mm-hmm. be treating those kids. And that's what we're doing. We're treating those kids at the time of the, that they have the ACL tears. So hopefully at 50, they don't end up with horrible knee arthritis, right? So you can preventatively treat those kids even with pentacin or epigallocatechins, things like that. So you don't end up with the osteoarthritis down the road. But what we saw is, you know, you can repair this because you're not getting these high levels of interleukin-1 beta. You don't get the mitochondrial dysfunction. You don't see the progressive cartilage loss. So 
me, I do Pedicin once a week. I just do it continuously once a week. I have patients who can go off of it for a while, go back on it or do it once a month. Um, but it's pretty remarkable. They're also looking at it for re- actually helping people after ACL reconstructions because it helps that bone tendon interface when we do ACL reconstructions on patients. Um, and they're looking at it for in a prostate cancer study. It's kind of a remarkable and relatively, you know, in the scheme of some of the things we do, inexpensive substance. Wow. So if we're doing, for instance, um, it's in my mind why regenerative therapies like stem cells and platelet cells have a little bit of a mixed bag is if yeah. I'm taking your cells and putting it back in the same environment that got you there in the first place, yeah, it's probably not going to make much headway. So you've got to treat some. What, what if they're patients. from a little, little healthy African baby? I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's probably better. Right. And that's where exosomes come in Yeah, because exosomes and you, you know, you're using from umbilical sources, but, but you really have to get the body in a healthy state. And that's, you mm-hmm. know, we're getting the interleukins more balanced. Pedicin is one of our ways of doing that. But you know, on, on a simple perspective, you can use things like EGCG or epigallocatechins, mm-hmm. which will also d- down-regulate interleukin-1 beta. You do that orally? You know, and you can do that orally. We're looking at actually doing an intra-articular injection because that seems like that's going to be, super, at least in mice, it was super helpful. So we're yeah. working with a company now to see if we can develop that. But in mice, you know, injected intra-articularly, it was really marked improvement in cartilage. But orally, you can see pretty dramatic improvements in people too with osteoarthritis. So we have yeah. people do, you know, um, and, and epigallocatechins have huge anti-cancer benefits. Great right? for like everything. They're great for everything. They build, they, they, they raise false statin so you can have NRF2 they build muscle, pathway. right? Yep. So I'm a huge fan of those. I think we're going to, we're looking for other ways. If you get to high dose epigallocatechins, the big risk is that you actually can affect liver function a little bit. Mm. So we're working with maybe developing transdermal, something like that, where we can do something to get them bypassed by the liver. Okay. But, so there's some really simple tools that you can use that are working at this, this cartilage level. High-dose melatonin too. Low-dose melatonin doesn't seem to have the same, same effects. Right. But if you get up to like 20 milligrams of melatonin, in the mouse study, that's what they used to block interleukin one beta and had very dramatic effects. So yeah. all, your, all your listeners, you know, back pain is... Whore, like every, it takes out a huge amount of our population. Yeah. And DGM disc, we have nothing to offer you except fusing your back. And, and you can put somebody on high dose melatonin and see pretty dramatic improvements in back pain and epigallocatechins is the same. Yeah. Know? And that's yeah. Because of the one beta. Dr. John Lawrence has a uh, 200 milligram melatonin suppository and he, and he makes them with a bunch of other stuff and they're, they're uh-huh. fantastic. I'll use that yeah. once or twice a week and just like zonk out for eight or nine hours. <laughs> and, uh, it's, 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 it's great. Um, <clears throat> but I'm really excited about this, this Pentacin, especially yeah, because Pentacin like, is cool and nobody knows about it. And if you look at yeah. a company in Australia that makes this called paradigm pharmaceuticals, and if you look at their research, it's, I mean, it's really compelling and, you know, um, and it's, you know, we can get it made for us here because it is a drug. So it's an FDA approved drug here. So it's very simple for us to get a pharmacy to make it for us yeah. and compound it in an injectable form. You have to know where to get it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, so it's been used in the racehorse population for years. Ah, <laughs> Racehorses have gotten pedicin. They're always on the good stuff. They're always on, isn't it interesting? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I remember back well, in the, when, when visco supplements like Synvisc, which are hyaluronic acid first came out, I'd always yeah. force people who brought me their horses, viscous, you know, visco supplements that can you inject this into my neeks? It really helped my horse. And I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I got a, I got a couple rapid fire questions before we kind of move on to the next. Um, so with the Pentacin, have you 
just out of curiosity for, for my own knowledge, I'm sure some listeners will be interested in this. Have you seen on someone that you just put on Pentacin and, you know, generally speaking, isolated other variables, have you seen any other improvements in their biomarkers? So you can lower C-reactive proteins definitely with penicin. Okay. So definitely. And the other thing penicin is really useful for is people who have that just a little off kidney function. So ah. penicin is actually really useful. I need to get on this. For, I, my kidney kidney's always well. been a little, little yeah. sluggish. So it's and one my of the grandpa got on that, dialysis. Yeah. So it's one of the few things we see actually help improve kidney function. So we'll uh, use penicin uh, in our, in our poor kidney function people who we can't seem to improve kidney function. They've, you know, somebody talked to you offline about working with you yeah. guys. I like this. Um, do you do anything with hyaluronic acid? Like if someone, um, if, if someone is experiencing joint pain, cartilage issues, you put them on the pentacin, you put them on, uh, EGCG, what dosage of EGCG and do you also use hyaluronic acid or, and, you know, curcumin or some things like that? Yeah. So, you know, so our regimen might be if, if you came to me with an, you know, a painful arthritic knee is to kind of get you going on some penicillin, do a six week course of penicillin and stop it because it's the only downside of penicillin is it's a weak blood thinner. So you okay. can't do a procedure with it. So then what we would usually do is I love using a combination of either AOD 9064, which is actually a peptide mixed with hyaluronic acid. And AOD 9064 is a peptide that actually it's, it's, it's AOD stands for anti-obesity drug because uh. in mice, it was the cured obesity. If you gave uh. mice AOD 9064, they, they actually, you couldn't get them fat. You could feed them anything and they couldn't get fat. So people are like, oh my God, we found the cured obesity. This is great. The problem is that it didn't work great in humans. It works great in about 3% of humans. So I guess if you have mouse genetics, you, you do really well. But, but in the rest of people, it didn't work great. It still works reasonably well in a lot of people at a high dose. But because it has an effect on fat cells, you can actually use it intraarticularly mixed with hyaluronic acid and you get almost a stem cell-like effect. So some fat lipolysis and almost a stem cell-like effect intraarticularly. So you mm. do actually an injection once a week for the AOD plus hyaluronic acid, which acts as kind of a you know, nourishing to the new chondrocytes. And you get this really nice repair. So, so we'll use penicin. We'll then put some, and usually you can put them on epigallocatechins during that period of time too. And then you put the AOD, AOD 9064 in, and then you follow that afterwards with this blocking all the bad interleukins so that you can continue that repair process. So you just want to use hyaluronic acid because otherwise I think it's a temporary fix. Yeah. It's nice because insurance pays for it, but it's otherwise it's a temporary fix. So I'll use it with AOD 9064 because then we get the repair or I'll use it with what's called a platelet-rich fibrin matrix where we actually take your blood, spin out the platelet-rich plasma, which are all your listeners have heard of PRP, mm -hmm. but then we actually mix it with some fibrin that we extract out of red cells mm. and we make it into kind of a jelly-like surface and you put that over like the damaged cartilage and then you layer the, the like um, hyaluronic acid. So nope, have to inject it right in. So okay. using ultrasound guidance, we'll inject it right in into the joint, like over like, so let's say you have a meniscal degenerative meniscal tear in your knee. Yeah. You go in right over that meniscal tear. You lay down this cartilage matrix. You can, it's very cool because the platelet fiber matrix stays liquid for long enough for you to kind of get it through a needle. And then it sort of settles into place there where it turns into sort of a jelly like substance. Yeah. And it creates a scaffolding. And then yeah. you use the hyaluronic acid, then you inject it next with a little hyaluronic acid. And then that actually kind of nourishes these new chondrocytes. That scaffolding of platelets 
creates and then plates are releasing all these growth factors. Now new cells come into play. You have the hyaluronic acid, they're nourishing them, and you can actually help to, to rebuild some cartilage surface. So and is, is so, the fibrin kind of functioning to like keep keep it put? Keep it in place. Yep. Yeah. So you get whereas platelet-rich plasma is just a liquid, it's gonna rapidly be gone. Yeah. So you get yeah. a, a growth factor effect for about 24 hours. You get much longer effect by using the platelet fiber matrix. We sort really? of stole this from the cosmetic people, the plastic surgeons, because they they'll use it as filler for the same reason. They'll create the fiber matrix, use it as filler where it stays there long enough to actually rebuild new tissue. And we said, yeah. Oh, well, if it works there, can't we use it on a cartilage? And indeed it works quite well. Most doctors don't do that, they just use platelet-rich plasma. But platelet fiber matrix, you get much better and much longer term improvement. And then during that, you know, then, and then for the next six weeks or so, you're, you're going to continue on a pentacin course, right? Because we want to block all the bad stuff so you can yeah. rebuild and, you know, maybe EGCGs or melatonin, your choice or everything, if you want to go for it. And, 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 and there was no breaks. Kind of significant improvement in these people over a 12 week period and, 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 and hopefully maintained. Remember, if I'm just sticking hyaluronic acid into your joint, I'm not building any new tissue. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing something to help make it feel a little bit better because I'm lubricating the joint, but I'm not really rebuilding tissue. So by doing the hyaluronic acid with either the AOD peptide or platelet fiber matrix, you can really rebuild tissue and get much better response. Fascinating. Now, are there any issues just... So the, you mentioned the pentacin is, is an anti-cancer agent. When mm -hmm. you talk about like rebuilding tissue and stuff like that, some, sometimes that has been um, correlated with increased risk of, of cancer and certain cancer pathways like mTOR and things like that. Any risk or not so much, or no, is it kind of offset no, by the, the pentacin? Those are going to be more things, you know, so it, those are, you know, it's not going to have the same kind of like, like thymus and beta four. We always get that concern. Are we really, yeah. you know, creating too much growth where it can be unchecked and we don't want to use it continuously. You know, yeah. we don't see that with things like penicillin. It's not working in the same fashion to markedly increase all the IGF, all the growth factors to that degree. So, you know, when you're doing platelets, you do get that increase in growth factor. I don't like doing platelet therapies in somebody who's recently diagnosed with, with, with cancer. So I, I, I won't do it in somebody who has a recent cancer diagnosis, but I will use it. You know, it, I don't think you have a risk of inducing cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. those are all things that are more growth factor related. So increasing, you know, vascular endothelial growth factor or uh, TGF beta, those are all things that potentially we think could be relate, related to increasing cancer cell growth. It's pretty hotly debated truly whether that occurs, but we're not doing that big growth factor increase with something like pentacin. Gotcha. And you're not like stacking it with all these HGH precursors and things like that, where it's, um, just like guys trying to get jacked, or look like the racehorse. <laughs> sometimes we do, right? Cause we use a lot yeah. of peptide therapies. So honestly, if I really want to get somebody healing, do I want to get their growth hormone levels normal? Yes. We yeah. don't use HGH because HGH is trickier um, and harder to get and really expensive right. and hard to dose. But we use growth hormone secreting peptides, yeah. like CJC and epimorelin, yeah. kind of more get a homostatic level. And, you know, so we will, you know, if you want to truly heal somebody, trying to normalize all of those levels is going to be important. So if we really, mm -hmm. you know, the, we have a lot of patients who come and they just want to get healthy, we'll, we'll piece all of that piece, all, all that together. Last bit eat, eat, for listeners who are like, yeah, I used to take green tea and then I kind of got away from it. What, what dosage would you recommend for like your average person? So, uh, you know, when you look at the cancer studies, it's very, very high doses, yeah. which are, you know, when you get above probably four milligrams, you have to watch liver functions on people. So I try and keep them below four milligrams. My average patient who, you know, I, I will tell you guys, 
honestly, epigallocatechins simply for muscle building, just for building muscle and losing fat. You know, if you do a milligram, simply a milligram a day, you'll see some improvement in a lot of people just from because of the increase in statin with doing nothing else. But, you know, so it depends on the problem. I'll go anywhere from one milligram to five milligrams a day of, um, or one gram, I'm sorry, five, so one gram to five grams a day of epigallocatechins. On the cancer patients, you want to use it you know, continuously almost. And that's why, you know, like, like you talked about the melatonin rectal suppository, that's where rectal suppositories are kind of nice because you get more extended release. Mm-hmm. The problem with the, the, the rectal suppository epigallocatechins is they're really hard to get because the cancer patients have bought them up and the, there's the companies who make them, it's hard to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, so because cancer, so it can take over so rapidly. You almost need to have epigallocatechins in your system continuously. So we'll have people do, you know, a gram every three hours, but even if they go to sleep at night, the cancer will get ahead of them. And so that's why the rectal suppositories were nice if you can get them, mm. but you can, you can pretty safely, if you watch liver functions, go to very high dose epigallocatechins. You just have to, when you're getting into higher doses, have somebody watching your liver. Yeah. It's interesting too, with, with cancer, where possibly some of those liver side effects could be offset if they're also doing coffee enemas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is cool. So before we kind of get into, get, get back to basics, if you will, I, I, um, you're sharing some exciting stuff. Let's talk about like on the peptide side for someone who is interested in keeping their brain sharp and, you know, longevity of the, of the CNS and, and cognitive function, where do you find yourself going a lot? I mean, we've got C-Max, like, you know, there's, there's C-Max nasal sprays. There's, uh, I know you're big in the mitochondria, so I don't know if you're using like MOTC peptides. Um, what are like your go-to for people that want to keep their brain sharp? And they're like, okay, I, I I'm, I'm willing to do a little bit of these subcutaneous injections. What are the, what are the, um, the boulders? So again, you're kind of going to the fluff when you're talking about modesty, which is an amazing peptide, right? The mitochondrial peptides, human and modesty, SS31, those are amazing, but they're difficult to get. They're expensive. So you know, let's look at the very most basic thing that you can do for your brain, and that's to try and keep IGF levels at a reasonable level, right? So, you, so the growth hormone secretagogues raising IGF, so simply using things like CJC and ipamorelin, are always going to be kind of our basis in terms of helping somebody who, who is starting to have, you know, or just to protect the aging brain. If somebody is more high risk, like let's say if you have APOE, uh, you know, phenotype um, or genotype, then pulling in some of the more aggressive peptides might be a reasonable choice. Or you have somebody who's already headed down the path of, of dementia. Uh, then you've got to think about things like, um, I mean, cerebral lysin, when we could get it, it's, it's been much more difficult to get now. So cerebral lysin was a great peptide for neural function, probably one of the most researched peptides for brain enhancement out of Russia. That, How that do you we spell have. that? C-E-R-E-B-R-O-L-Y-S-I-N. I'd never heard of that one. No, cerebral lysin is amazing. I mean, it's a it's a, a BDNF. It increases brain derived neurotrophic factor, and it's in in Russia they use it. It's it's a it's a prescription um, that they use post stroke for neural recovery in their patients, mm. and you can get pretty dramatic improvements in brain function. It's great as so somebody who has a early dementia or a genetic history of dementia. We using it on a kind of regular on and off basis was great. It's just now it's, it's gotten to be one of those peptides. that's very, very difficult to get. Uh-huh. Um, so hopefully we'll have another sources of it at some point, but right now we can't, it's really tough to get, but cerebral lysin is probably one of the, the, the main was one of our mainstay go-tos for brain function. Um, so, you know, so we always start with, and then 
CJC, IPA. And then if you look at the other basic, right, think about what's causing our brain to go bad is all back to kind of that inflammatory piece. And so we always got to get the immune system in check. And, and so when you go again to the big fancy objects, which are modesty, human and well, let's go back to let's reduce inflammation. Let's get the immune system healthy because getting the immune system healthy is, is going to be paramount to every disease process. So we'll use, we have very liberally, and one of the first peptides we almost always use in patients with disease processes is thymosin alpha one, because you have to get the immune system healthy or people will actually not ever get better. And, and the thymic peptides, remember, our immune systems are at their best at puberty. So it's kind of downhill after puberty, sadly. Mm-hmm. And that's when our thymus glands are at their biggest. So think of your thymus gland, which is, you know, this big gland of your chest. As it's, it's, it's where your, your T cells go and they learn what to do. And once that thymus gland starts getting smaller, which it starts doing after puberty, and by the time you're my age, it's, it's barely there at all, you've got these sort of T cells gone awry. I always tell people it's a little bit like, you know, these kids coming out of high school, going into the army, but the army has no sergeants or nobody in control. And you hand them a gun and say, okay, just go do something. Yeah. And, and that's what happens with our thymus gland to our immune system. So the immune system gets out of check and it starts not knowing when to attack and what to attack. And so getting back thymic peptides, thymosin alpha one being the, the biggest key there is really helpful to re-educate those T, T lymphocytes on what to do, how to act, stop attacking yourself, start attacking COVID. You know, so, so that's, that's you know, baseline when you're looking at neural health, instead of going after the C-maxes and the C-lengths, which are great, and we use them a ton, but we always have to go back to the basic stuff, get the IGF levels up, get the inflammation down. Fascinating. Now, do you use any of the Russian peptide bioregulators? Like I'm using Vladonics right now, which is like, it's, it's basically like thymus. Uh, right. uh, yeah. Are you using that at all or not so much? So, so we're not, um, you know, I, I think there's some, some value to them. I think a lot of the, the oral peptide modulators, there's anecdotal and some, you know, some of the Russian studies are reasonable. We still have some questions about truly how functional they are. Are they worth the money? I'm still in the, I'm not sure believer camp on some of that stuff. They're a bit uh, expensive. I'm, you know, they're expensive. I think that you're, you're quite frankly better off going straight to peptide therapies, which are also expensive. But, but uh, honestly, we know when you're doing these, you know, injectable peptides that have been, you know, at least in, in we, we sort of know what they're doing in the body pretty well. I, I'm still at that preference. I think a lot of the biomodulators, you know, bioregulating peptides have been adopted because of the, the, the more difficulty getting yeah. real, the regular peptides, right? And it's mm-hmm. easier to order your stickers. You can go to Amazon and order these things, you know? And so I, I'm not yet convinced. I think there's some value in some of them. This episode is also brought to you by Bioptimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production. The second is low enzyme production. And the third is gut distance 
dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Bioptimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to check out the exclusive Biohacking Secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today. A little bit of a personal question that may have some relevance. Like I'm APOE E4, E4 which is okay. like the highest risk of, of right. Alzheimer's and all of that right. stuff. And you mentioned that, and, and it caught my attention because over the years, multiple times I've been prescribed uh, Ipamorelin or some, uh, you know, some, some of the similar growth hormone precursors. And usually within a month, I'm like super achy and inflamed and I just stop. And I'm like, right. I'm losing flexibility. And I'm like, this clearly isn't a good fit for me. Um, do you have any That's, idea why or what's going yeah. on there? So we see that a lot and it's yeah. in people who have immune dysregulation. So yeah. if you're in an immune dysregulated state and you put somebody on something that upregulates growth factors, they get, they feel shitty. So yeah. you've got to get, so we have a lot of people, especially like you, APOEE, where you do nothing but thymus and alpha one for a while. You've got to get the that. immune system stabilized. I've, so, I've, so, I've so for twice sometimes stuff. 12 weeks, you, you yeah. do nothing but thymus and alpha one. And then you start adding in small doses and you'll be surprised how much better you tolerate it. But that always indicates, it indicates to us some underlying immune dysregulation when we see that. Cause there's, there's no reason that CJC and IP, unless they're getting, you know, they get it from a bad source, which is always a possibility too. But if you're getting it from a good reputable source and there's not crap in it, then it's because you're having an immune reaction that you shouldn't be having, meaning you have a dysregulated immune system. Totally. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in, in 2011 yeah. and then so got bit would, by three yeah. ticks this past year. So you've got 12 weeks if you do nothing but TA1 and maybe BPC, but, you know, BPC 157. But yeah, I was going to ask you about that. modulation. You know, that's all you do for 12 weeks in these people. because And we have tons of people like that. We don't touch somebody with an inflammatory disorder like Lyme disease with the growth hormone secretagogues until we've stabilized their immune system. You've got to do that first. And we've made those mistakes. I mean, you, you, you know, you're like... That's, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And is that something that is weight, uh, is the dosage, you know, based on size or is it standard for most people? Well, you can, time self one has no ceiling dose. You can use as much of it as you can afford, um, uh -huh. you know, in, in the COVID patients when, you know, so there's studies now using thymus and alpha-1 to treat COVID. In other countries, it's mm. a drug. It's called Zydaxin. So it's mm. a drug that they put all their immune-compromised people on. They put their chemotherapy patients yeah. on. My brother used system. it to help with his Lyme disease and get his immune yeah. system back. Um, yeah. And here he may we, still be using it. Yeah, and here we can't get it as a, as a drug. We haven't made it as a peptide thymus alpha-1. You can use high doses. One of my sons got COVID, got actually really sick. Yeah. Um, and we were giving him, you know, massive doses stabilize sort of a regular dose. You can use like 450 micrograms, um, mm. but you can go up to, you know, 10 times that safely if somebody's really sick, you know? So, so we base it a little bit on weight, a little bit on disease process, a little bit what we're treating, a little bit on what people can afford. Um, you know, the biggest downside of peptides is their cost, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to get that whole piece in order, you know, um, oh. otherwise, and again, I've, 
I've seen your story over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is fantastic. You're dropping. We a lot used of... to put all of our APOE4 people on cerebral license, just say, you know what, you just need to do this like three times a week, the rest of your life, because cerebral license has been so shown to be so neuroprotective. You might still be able to get it from Russia. It's just expensive and hard to get. Yeah. But they're the, they're, that's the country that makes the most of it. I'm interested in that. Are you using it right now? I can't get it. I can't, I, can't afford yeah. it. I can't get it. I, I did. So my entire, I'm not APOE, but all my husband is and my, and all my kids are. Um, oh. So I had all of them taking cerebral license, but then I couldn't afford it for all of them. And then I was like, well, I don't know which one I like the best. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, it, was, it wasn't my husband. It was, he was, a, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's out. I mean, you were trying to he was low on the list. Yeah. Yeah. He got, dro- he got dropped immediately, but then you felt bad because you couldn't pick yeah, which I kid. Felt bad. I have five kids. I couldn't decide which one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just eat your vegetables, kids or your, or, or your meat carnivores. Carnivores is really popular right now. Um, let's talk about some of the, let's get back to basics because you see a ton of people and you were telling, maybe you can share like just a little, little anecdotal story that kind of summarizes the pattern that, that, yeah. that's been walking into your office a lot lately. So I think this is what I'm seeing more and more because this whole biohacking world is, is growing phenomenally. Right. I mean, nobody yeah. knew the word, you know, a year ago and I was watching a, a good doctor episode the other day and this guy had done CRISPR on himself and they had this whole biohacking episode. Um, Imagine launching a company called biohacking secrets in 2016. It was, it was a lot of explanation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now it's become right where it's taking off. I mean, how many biohacking groups do you see on the internet? There's tons, right? Yeah. And so what we're seeing now in this advent of all these and the advent of social media, so people are more exposed to it. I have all these people coming in and they are, they think they are the bomb. They have their, they, here's their regimen. I, I was telling you about, you know, people come in with the spreadsheets of literally graphic of, you know, what they're doing and, you know, My thousands maps. and thousands of dollars a month where, you know, with their infrared saunas and their cryofusions and their NAD infusions, uh, you know, and their, you know, and, and this, this exercise protocol and all these things. And that stuff's all super cool. I mean, you know, the Instagram post of you in your cryofusion chamber is really cool. But what we're seeing is those people come in and I run their labs and they don't look healthy. It's because you got to still not forget that the stuff we've been doing to kind of fix the basics, even though we may not have been even knowing exactly why it was as helpful as what we do now, is still going to be paramount. So for example, if we kind of go down to everything is is back to cell health. So we used to, medicine was all disease focused. So that's still what medicine mostly is, is disease focused, right? You go in and, and you have liver disease, you know, um, you have cancer, whatever. And then we went down to, oh, it's not disease focused. It's organ fo- system focused. You have adrenal dysfunction. You have thyroid dysfunction. We have to fix the organ system that's dysfunctional to fix the microbiome of the gut. Everybody's, you know, gotten to that. Well, now we're getting down deeper and I'm involved with this group, um, this seed scientific research and performance group. And it's kind of, it, it, he's doing a fellowship, but there's 25 kind of mastermind docs and we meet. Is quarterly. this Dr. Seeds? Yeah. Dr. Seeds. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he and I work closely together and, 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 and I'm faculty with this group and we're actually working. We have 25 kind of mastermind doctors. We meet quarterly and we just bounce around all this stuff. But Dr. Nice. Seeds is kind of That's a, great. you know, a, a, a savant on metabolic pathways and cell yeah, pathways he's, and cellular health. He's been a big health. proponent I mean, of BPC-157. He's got some other products like chill yeah. pill and things like that. Yeah. I don't think he's involved in those anymore. Um, oh, really? Got it. Yeah. He's, he's kind of gotten off that. He's kind of more, he sort of realized that he didn't want to sort of be um, 
he didn't want to be product equated because he really wanted mm-hmm. to just say, you know, I'm, I'm not pushing any products. I'm simply pushing health. And so he kind of, you know, gave up a lot of money, but decided he didn't was want that because of potential lit- litigation. No, it was really honestly because he realized it was sort of sort of clouding where he wanted medicine to go, which was to get away from, you know, it used to be that like, doctors and still are to some degree are run by pharmaceutical companies. Well, now, unfortunately, we're seeing the functional <laughs> medicines being run by the supplement companies, yeah, right? Yeah, Everybody's totally. now trying to sell their supplement <laughs> yeah. or sell their product. And he, he said, you know, I don't want to be seen as what I'm doing selling products. Yeah. I want it to be seen as what I'm doing is understanding health. Yeah. So he actually gave up millions of dollars to actually say, I'm not going to abandon that and I'm going to go a different direction. And I'm going to actually focus on trying to teach what we know is going to be important for, for health span and, and that's cellular health. So, so, so our, our focus has really been now on taking things now from that functional medicine level down to a cellular health level. And, and so this fellowship group is one of the few places that that's actually being taught, but we're looking at metabolic pathways and particularly my fascination has been mitochondria. And I just gave a lecture for leukemia and lymphoma society on mitochondria in, in cancer, but probably all of our disease processes are going to come down to a dysfunction at the mitochondria. So, you know, if you, if you, if you look at cancer, for instance, we used to say, well, cancer is a, a genetic mutation or, you know, something causes a, you know, damage to a cell. Well, interestingly enough, if you take a, a cancer cell and you take healthy mitochondria and you put that into the nucleus of the cancer cell, the cancer cell becomes normal. And if you take the nucleus, the mitochondria out of the nucleus of a cancer cell and you put it into a normal cell, it becomes a cancer cell. And so we know that it's the mitochondria that's actually even carrying that information. So the mitochondria are probably responsible for almost all of health. So if you think about the organ systems that go awry in us, the, probably the, the worst as we age, we lose muscle, we lose our brains, and we lose our cardiac function. So those are the three organ systems that are probably most susceptible to aging. They're all also the most energy demand organ systems, right? We, our brain, our heart, and our muscle are the ones that are using up most of our cellular energy, our ATP. So you start exhausting and damaging mitochondria, and those start dying off, and subsequently it's, it's a play from a downhill play from there. So what we're focusing on now is how do we fix the cell and ultimately fix the mitochondria? And, and I've struggled a little bit because I have people come in, I say, well, why, why then do I want to look at your hormones if really I just have to fix your mitochondria? You know, and the spikes are, well, I'm doing cryofusion. That fixes my mitochondria. So here's the interesting thing that you and I talked a little bit about. Not, not if you're loaded with heavy metals. <laughs> yeah, or, right. I mean, you've got, you, so you have to go back to, okay, mitochondria actually have receptors for hormones on them. People don't know that. But there's, so your mitochondria cholesterol, there's a receptor called the star receptor that actually takes a cholesterol and inside the mitochondria turns it into pregnenolone and hence for men, that's their primary source of progesterone. So if you don't have healthy mitochondria, you can't actually convert your cholesterol into pregnenolone, which is important for brain function and progesterone, which is important for brain and inflammation. Um, you can't do that anymore if your mitochondria aren't healthy. And so we've got to go back to how do you fix the mitochondria? Well, First, there's this vicious cycle when hormones drop. So there's thyroid receptors on the, on, on the mitochondria. There's estrogen receptors on the mitochondria. So if I have no estradiol, so if you're a guy and you're taking testosterone and you've blocked too much of your estrogen, right? Too much estradiol. There's E2 estradiol receptors on the mitochondria. And the E2 receptors on the mitochondria, when there's enough estradiol, triggers what's called the unfolded protein response or UPR inside the mitochondria. 
Now, unfolded protein response is one of our big mitigators of getting rid of damaged proteins and repairing them. So getting rid of the really damaged ones and repairing the ones that are, that are reparable. And so if I have no E2, my unfolded protein response in my mitochondria gets turned off and now I can't repair proteins. So now I have all these bad proteins that are now damaging my vascular system or my liver or my kidneys or whatever it might be. So you've got to first repair the estrogen, right? Repair the thyroid, repair all of those pieces. That's going to now get the mitochondria starting to be healthy. So I'm actually get mitochondria that are starting to, to function more normally. But ultimately, we also have to get rid of the bad mitochondria that are already damaged, right? So that's where that whole mitophagy or autophagy piece is, kill off the bad stuff. Yeah. So is part of that you're having them do like longer fasts and, and some, some senolytics maybe with quercetin or T-theoflavins or what, what's going on there? What do, you, what do you do? So I think all of those things work. So intermittent fasting, definitely helpful. Even time-restricted eating. We don't really know how long a fast you have to do. You know, everybody says, oh, it's 48 hours, 72 hours. Oh, you have to do at least five days. Actually, if you look at the data, there's not a lot to say that just doing time-restricted eating doesn't have the same value. Yeah, I'm a proponent of periodically doing longer fasts, but I don't know that that's necessarily been proven as the right choice. Yeah, and I it think, sometimes sucks for productivity. Right. And, and, and I have some people who just can't really honestly can't tolerate it. And I have yeah. some athletes who really can't tolerate it. Yeah. So I'm a big proponent, however, of time-restricted eating, um, you know, of going just at least sort of a 12 like to 16 hour period. Yeah. 16 yeah, hour fast, I think is hugely beneficial for autophagy. Yeah, and then all the things you're talking about, our favorite go-to now anymore, interestingly, for autophagy, because it has so many other benefits is spermidine. So really? I, don't know if you're I just with spermidine. I just ordered some yesterday. Yeah, spermidine's amazing. Yeah. So spermidine's a polyamine. Yeah. And and we know that polyamines are found in two places of really high quality. One's in semen. So you know that anything that's there to protect the gamete has to be really important, right? And yeah. the other place is breast milk. It's in huge volumes of mm. breast milk. So, you know, those are places that you know that though you they're essential to health. But polyamines at high levels are found in every single organism. We know that the higher your polyamine level are is the healthier you are, the longer you live. We couldn't even get polyamines, couldn't get spermidine here until about last, recently, I mean, six, yeah. seven months ago. It was only available in Europe and, and they wouldn't ship it here. So we've only yeah. been able to get it here recently, but it's polyamines, particularly spermidine are really super critical to health. So they do two things. Number one, they actually cause autophagy. So they get rid of the bad cells, but number two, they cause mitochondrial biogenesis. So now they take the good mitochondria right. and they make more of them. So you're actually now, so I've given now all this stuff to the mitochondria, it has all its hormones normal, right? So it, it can, it, it, it's, it's can self-regulate. And so I've gotten the hormones, the nutrients, all that it needs. I kill off the bad stuff by using usually high dose spermidine for a period of time, because that's going to kill off the bad stuff and then start causing a rapid mitochondrial biogenesis. So now what's, I'm replicating what's high, cells. what's high dose? Cause I just bought a couple bottles of this stuff. So one milligram is a standard daily dose. We'll go up to four to five milligrams for a period of time, depending on how sick people are to go through a real big autophagy phase. If I have somebody who's really sick, you do that every day. So usually I'll do, I'll do that like four milligram a day for 
a six week period, sometimes only a three week period. It's pricey. So that's the biggest downside. Yeah, it is. It is. They're coming out with a, um, a physician only version. That's a higher dose. So hopefully that'll be a little more cost effective for patients, but our sick patients who have high inflammatory markers, will do that for as long as six weeks, sometimes if they can afford it. And then a maintenance dose, like I always do one milligram a day. So two caps, one a day, cause that's actually going to just now, once I've gotten rid of all the bad stuff, I've gotten this good mitochondrial biogenesis. Now I just have to self-regulate it, right? I have to keep that going. So I have to keep the hormones stable. I stay on a low-dose polyamine or a reasonable-dose polyamine to keep, to keep that process at a stable level. I mean, people take all these antioxidants, right? Well, yeah. think of what you're doing. So the thought being, wow, you have these damaged mitochondria and they're spilling out all these free radicals. And so I'm just going to take tons of stuff to get rid of the free radicals. Well, that's stupid because really you've got to fix the mitochondria. So they're not spewing out fewer free radicals. Then now I'm taking another drug to get rid of the free radicals. Yeah. I know that some degree of free radicals is really important to the mitochondria. It turns on the, those mitochondrial peptides, right? Mm-hmm. So human in mod SC SS31 are all mitochondrial stress peptides. So you want low level stress for the mitochondria to produce those really life-saving mitochondrial peptides. So I think people get a little backwards. They're treating mm-hmm. all these free radicals instead of saying, let's fix the mitochondrial problem in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I totally agree. What um, one of the things with with mitochondria that's a little bit tricky is like I I don't know, and you're probably gonna enlighten me, but I don't know of any blood test that's great for checking mitochondrial health. You know, you've got like the bioenergy testing that's looking at gas exchange, and I've we, we were doing that for a while with clients, and I found a bunch of problems with it. Like, you know. It, you can use proxies like breath hold times and stuff or phase, you know, phase angle. But like what, if someone wants to check the status of their mitochondria, where do you look? Uh, So I think that's hard. So I think, you know, you're, you're right. That's a little bit more difficult to look at oxidative phosphorylation and energy pathways. And I think it's going to be putting together a whole lot of data to do that. I think where we'll go is more looking at proteomics for that where we can actually now isolate these proteins, these secretory proteins that are produced by damaged mitochondria and look at that load. So I think what we'll, what we'll probably be starting to do at some point, so there's a company called Somalogics that does proteomics. So it actually looks at all the protein that are, you know, so we, 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 you know, we first went from genomics to epigenomics, so your epigenome and now to proteomics and metabolomics, how are the proteins metabolized, but, yeah. but looking at protein markers. So now we can look at these sort of secretory protein markers that indicate damaged mitochondrial load and sort of damaged cell load in general. And that's what we, we, I think we're getting to is be able to run these blood markers that look at the proteins that can tell us mitochondrial function a little bit more. Like we can actually, interesting enough with proteomics, we can actually give you this, we can give you your body fat composition equal to a DEXA scan. So isn't really? that interesting? And you can get VO2 max from proteomics. Come on. Of doing, yeah, just from your protein markers. This is, this you is, can like, a, give is like a blood test or a saliva test? Yeah, it's test? a blood test. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that a lot easier than going so to get a scan. Yeah, much easier. Like doing VO2 max is a pain in the ass test to do, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you got to work out, pro- right? <laughs> and it's probably an important marker when you think about ATP and, you know, and, and um, energy production, probably a VO2 max is a relatively important marker of that. And if that's mm-hmm. declining, probably something is going on with yeah. ATP production, hence mitochondrial function. So if we can do a protein marker and just look at that, as opposed to having somebody run in the lab, you know, with a thing yeah. on their face and run on the treadmill, 
that's going to be a, a whole lot simpler. So, so we already know we can do those things. We can look at, you know, we, we can look at tons of that information just from protein markers. So I think in the very near future, um, and we're trying to, you know, work with, with this a little bit, with, you know, kind of doing our own studies, but, um, but also working with a company called Deep Longevity, which is actually a Russian company that actually is take, being able to take tons and tons of data that we feed them and sort of pick out the pieces of, okay, this, everybody who has this disease, you know, so we can take somebody we know has horrible mitochondrial disease. There's people who, you know, have very, very diagnosed mitochondrial disease from skeletal biopsies, things like that. We can say this marker is really high or really low in them. And so this is where computers are going to be so useful to us because we can take all of this data, feed it into a computer and it can spit it out. Okay, look at this. So I think proteomics is going to be probably the answer there. We're not there yet, but we'll get there in the soon, soon I think. This is fascinating. I mean, I, I definitely would would love to work with you guys and do that course of, of thymus and alpha and pentacin and some of those things. For the people listening that feel the same way, what's the best way? Like, we're going to come back to a few more of the basics, but I want to give a little, uh, you know, for people that want to reach out to you and possibly work with you, where did, how do they do that? So if you just guys, if you just go to borderlongevity.com, uh, there's tons of information on that site about our peptide program, about our optimization program. There's a great talk. If you click on the human optimization Academy, so there's sort of an Academy and then sort of become a member of human optimization Academy. That's where we're actually posting a lot of like this information about penicillin. There's a talk on there on beyond stem cells and platelet cells where we talk about penicillin. And there's a talk, there's a couple of talks on arthritis. That's one of my fascinations, obviously, since my background's orthopedics. You know, so one of my fascinations is, and here's a disease that honestly, we've gotten very, we've made very little progress on osteoarthritis, right? You know, we all we do is stick steroids in somebody until we replace a joint. We've, been, we've made very little progress on it. And I think this is a place where we need to really focus because it's debilitating for tons of people. I mean, my dad, you know, he died recently at 91, but his last few years, he was crippled by arthritis, right? I mean, he was healthy in every other way, but had horrible arthritis that, you know, that for him who could climb 14ers at 80 was horribly devastating. So I think this is a disease we, disease we need to focus on some more. So there's some good talks in there. So, so go, go to bloatalongevity.com. You can follow me at Dr. Yurth on Instagram. We post a lot of stuff there. You know, these podcasts are great. I do a lot of podcasting and, um, and so you can look for me there as well. Cause we try and share this information. I, I know, you know, you guys are out there trying to, trying to find places to get this stuff, but we will try and curate it for you in that optimization Academy, because there is so much out there, some of it good, some of it not so good. We do try and curate that. I spend a lot of time just reading and trying to put it out for you guys in sort of digestible forms. Yeah, no, this is this is fantastic. And you've you've already shared so much great stuff uh, today. And I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm sure our listeners yeah, do you. as well. A um, little bit of a, of a question about my father. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's uh, mm -hmm. five years ago. Obviously, we know that I'm E4, E4. Um, right. We're currently doing uh, NAD suppositories, uh, high dose melatonin periodically, ETDA okay. to chelate some uh, heavy metals. You know, he had the, the mercury uh, fillings. We okay. took those out. We took care of his root canals, um, but we haven't done anything to chelate the metals. So we just got that going. I'm, give, I'm administering a, a substantial amount of suppositories to my father. I never thought that would be the case. <laughs> and, uh, and we're doing transcranial magnetic stimulation with the uh, brain's wave machine. D does anything else come to mind? I mean, neurodegenerative disease is off the chart. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners have loved ones that, that may be in a similar position. So look up a peptide called dihexa, D-I-H-E-X-A. So dihexa um, actually... It, 
is been investigated by the Michael J. Fox um, Association. It actually is really quite marked in its benefits for Parkinson's. And mm. and I'm not sure what, what stalled it, but it was almost going to come to market as a drug for Parkinson's. Um, and I, if you look at the research, it was very compelling, very compelling, and then somehow fell off the wagon. So I'm not, you know, you always get wonder what happens when those things, but it's a, it's a very, very safe peptide. It's actually a transdermal cream. So oh. you use it as a, transdermally, which is nice. You don't have to inject it in again, downside expense and sometimes difficulty getting, but it can have some very marked benefits for Parkinson's patients. So dihexa. Uh, and again, there's some research through Michael J. Fox association on dihexa. So it's actually got some really valid research behind it, even in human populations. A lot of our peptides are well-proven in mice and a little less well-proven in us, but Dihexa actually has some really good human studies on it. I love Dihexa for my Parkinson's patients. It's again, downside is cost. And when you get into these peptides, especially the doses you need sometimes for these disease processes, cost becomes a factor. And if you can get cerebral lysin, it's hugely beneficial there as well, because both of those are really reparative peptides um, for brain function. So you can see really marked improvements with that as well. But dihexa is probably the, the, the most researched peptide in terms of treating Parkinson's. And again, there's some pretty nice data out there about it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And then to to kind of land this plane, we were chatting uh, before we started recording about blood tests and where a lot of people are are focusing on on, on the wrong areas. Um, right. What what blood tests do you feel everyone should be getting? Where should they be focusing their attention, and why? So so here's one of my pet peeves. I literally have people come in with a. A three ring binder of the blood test their functional medicine doctor has ordered that is this thick. Uh And they they've really literally are paralyzed by information. They've done nothing with them, neither as a functional medicine doctor, except maybe, you know, said, oh, you need more probiotics Um, to honor all is to honor none. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so it becomes a little bit like, okay, where do you start? So I do want to encourage you you guys, if you get a good physician who knows what, and we're trying to teach this to you too. So we're trying to put together a course so you can understand your own blood work a little bit better, but there is so much valuable information in simply your CBC and your CMP. These are $12 tests. So complete blood count and a, and a, and a comprehensive metabolic panel. You can get a whole lot of information. For instance, to look at immune function. You can do all these T cell studies and all these things, but I can look at a white blood count and then I can break it down. And for instance, white blood counts are are broken down into neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, basophils, and eosinophils. And the goal is to have not a lot of the inflammatory cells, the monocytes, the eosinophils, and basophils, and have most of those white cells in neutrophils and lymphocytes. In an ideal, if you were the perfectly healthy, perfectly thymused 18-year-old, you would have a neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio of about one to one. As we get older, the lymphocytes start to drop and that ratio starts to increase. So most of the people who are you know, my age, it's like three to one. So we know that we're starting to get this immune or inflammation, this immune aging process, which is probably the root of you know, getting sick from COVID and dying. And so trying to, so you can look at that simple ratio, a neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio and say something about, hmm, your immune system's not so good. There's low-grade inflammation. That's way before your C-reactive protein starts going up. People are like, oh, my C-reactive protein's huh. fine. That's way before your C-reactive protein gets, starts going up. The, you know, the other thing is looking at things like the size of the cells. One of the pieces that correlated very markedly with cell age was the mean cell volume, the MCV. And the only thing your doc has ever learned about MCV is that a high MCV means you probably have a B12 deficiency. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot more that goes behind the size of your cells. But again, that healthy 18-year-old, 
has a mean cell volume in the 80s. As we get older, it gets higher and higher and higher. Our goal is to keep that number in that 90 level. So because that as the, as the bone marrow, as the stem cell population starts to fatigue, as we start to get older and we don't have nice bone marrow regeneration anymore, then that size, the, the red cells are bigger and bigger. And we don't get this nice diffuse cell, variation in cell size. So the mean cell volume, our goal is to keep that number on the lower side. Most people, that number is going to look 95, 96. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. It's not at the level that shows that you have a really good, healthy cell age or biologic age, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing is like on the metabolic panel, things like, you know, that get ignored, albumin. There was a great... There was a great study that actually looked, they could predict people who were going to die in the hospital versus get out of the hospital simply based on their albumin levels. And the lower the albumin level got, the, the, the less likely that person was to get out of the hospital alive. Well, the same thing's true about us. So as our albumin levels drop, it could be dietary, it could be you eat no protein, but more likely it's that you don't have normal cell function to utilize the protein and have normal albumin levels. So more, it's a, it's a marker of sort of cellular health. And so when we see that number get below 4.6, 4.5, and maybe the total protein is still fine, but the albumin level is low, something's going on. Sometimes it's a little copper, sometimes it's stress, and you know, something you've got to put this all together. There's a whole bunch of pieces to this puzzle that are in a $12 lab test that I can, I can start with and follow very easily. I could do these big methylation, DNA methylation age tests, and they're $600 each pop. And so every time I do something different- You're talking like, a, like a Horvath clock or something like that? And um, Well, like, you know, Horvath, the, 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 like the true age and, and you know, yeah. cone age and all those. And they're great tests. They're really cool tests. They give you a ton of information, but they're expensive. So if I do it once and I can't repeat it for a year, do I really know what, you know, what- what I, if, if, if something I did, like I did a peptide, did it change things or not? I need to have something more simple to look at. So, so, you know, starting with simply CBC, CMP, looking at hormones to make sure they're all optimal. Cause remember that's really important for those mitochondria to have normal hormone levels and looking at the micronutrient panel from those four things, I can discern what is your gut health like, like what else, you know, you don't need to have every single allergy test done. You don't you you know, we'll do, we'll use those tests sometimes, but you've got to start with some very basic stuff. And I see people with, you know, tons of data and we don't need all that data. We need your symptoms. We need to go back to kind of the old days of what is that patient telling me? What am I seeing? And what are some of the basic clues on their blood tests that tell me what's going on? You know, this, this has been fantastic. What a great interview. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, it's boulderlongevity.com. Yep. Boulderlongevity.com. BoulderLongevity.com if you'd like to uh, work with Dr. Yurth or check out some of those resources that she mentioned. Um, Dr. Yurth, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Is there is there anything else that you're really excited about that's working that uh, you want to kind of plant a seed in the, uh, in the brains of our listeners to encourage them to maybe help optimize themselves and focus on the, the shouts, not the whispers? No, I mean, I will tell you, I mean, I have no investment in spermidine, but honestly, of all the supplements, if, if I were to say I would take one thing, 
that's what it would be because I think it's working at a very, very, very basic level to repair cell health. And then we're seeing really marked improvements in a whole lot of parameters on our patients we put on spermidine. It's one of those, you, you can play a fun game, Google spermidine and any disease process, and you'll see there's, there's studies to connect it. Um, so it's one of those almost too good to be true, but that's yeah. because it's working at the mitochondria to repair the mitochondria. And, and that's what you come back to. If you do that, are we fixing all these other diseases? You know, maybe. So that would be my kind of take home, look into that supplement. Um, the company that there, there's not a lot of companies that, that ship it here to the US, Spermidine Life um, is, at, it's an Austrian company, but they, yeah. do, they, they do ship here now. It's a, it's, it's a, what's called a complete polyamine. I mean, it has spermidine, spermine, putrescine kind of in all, you know, in, it's kind of like a complete CBD versus just, you know, one piece of CBDs. You really totally. want the complete polyamine complex. And so, you know, that's, that's hilarious that I ordered that, that yesterday. Is. And then you will, this, is, honestly, this is the first times we've talked about it on the podcast too. Yeah. And hair growth, honestly, like for, that's one of the, like if you, spermidine and hair growth for guys who are losing hair um, or women who are losing hair, spermidine really helps with hair growth too. I mean, it's kind of a, a remarkable supplement. It is one of my mainstays anymore. It's big downside. Like a lot of the stuff is cost, but if I'm going to spend money, it's actually right now where I put my money. Cause I sort of feel like if I fix that and I'll tell you, so one of the things I track on myself is, you know, just use my aura ring, just my HRV. Right. So we know that heart rate variability. Yeah. Heart rate variability is a big, it, it matches cell age pretty nicely. Mm -hmm. So you can actually now, you know, take, okay, I started taking spermidine fall. See my heart rate variability improved dramatically actually just with spermidine. Um, and so, so I'll do things like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do nothing but one supplement and see what happens with like my respiratory rate, my HRV, my deep sleep and track those little markers. Cause those are also simple things that we are making a change. Right. Lovely. Lovely. Well, Dr. Yurth, this is, this has been a pleasure. Uh, it's not often, eh, I don't want to sound like a cocky asshole, but it's not <laughs> often that I I'm, I'm learning a lot of new things on a podcast and, and I did, this was exciting. And, uh, thank you so much. Guys, Thank if you, you would like to, to work with Dr. Yurth, go to uh, boulderlongevity.com. And um, yeah, Dr. Yurth, I'll talk with you offline about possibly exploring some of this stuff that you turned me okay. on to. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted, an all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one -on -one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching.
We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 